Welcome to Keystone Education Radio, the podcast for all things focused on education in Pennsylvania. Now here's your host, Annette Stevenson. Every aspect of daily life has been impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic. The challenges that school districts across the Commonwealth faced in early March are not the same challenges they face today or will face in the future. As the state and schools across Pennsylvania work towards completing their budgets for the next fiscal year, there is a new slew of considerations. The issues of property tax reform and state and federal funding have become even more relevant as the economy experiences a deficit. Today we are joined by Chief Advocacy Officer John Callahan and Director of Research Andy Christ. Together, they will unpack these issues on property tax reform, budgeting and funding, and also talk a bit about what public education may look like as Pennsylvanians recover from the COVID-19 pandemic. Thanks for joining us, John and Andy. Uh, Great to be on. So prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, PSBA released the 2020 State of Education Report This annual report measures the performance and challenges that are faced by public schools. How would you summarize the key findings from this report as sort of a a pre-pandemic snapshot? Could you provide a few highlights on that? Yeah, and for the fourth year in a row, we've seen that mandated costs like pensions, charter school tuition, and special education have caused budget pressure to be the single biggest challenge facing school districts. And when I talk about mandated costs like those, school districts have very little, if any, control over those three costs, but they've all increased by billions of dollars over the last several years. So it's no wonder they cause so much pressure on budgets. And even looking forward post-pandemic, those budget pressures are still going to be there. So that's still going to present a very difficult challenge for school districts as they move ahead post-pandemic. The other big highlight I might mention is that Pennsylvania public schools, they're performing well on national assessments. On the 2019 reading and math national assessments, Pennsylvania was actually ranked among national leaders in proficiency. Hmm. So in the State of Ed report, school districts have reported that budget pressure is their biggest challenge for 2020. And I know that probably has been the case even going back. A substantial amount of funding comes from taxpayer dollars and 77.2% of districts were reported as anticipating that they would have to raise property taxes. Uh, And that was, this was pre-pandemic, of course, when the results were collected. How would a property tax freeze, which has been talked about among legislators, impact districts that are already struggling financially and that may have been uh, anticipating that they would have to increase actually property taxes? What's the impact there? Well, I, I'm thinking when we're talking about the budget pressures, too, we should mention that over the years, those pressures have changed, um, you know, and typically they're mandates, you know, so we're talking about pensions, charters, you know, Andy, how, do, how they changed, and then we can kind of you know, roll right into that next question, which is the, the pandemic issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for the first three years we've conducted the survey, pension costs really dominated the biggest budget pressure discussion. But this year is, is interesting because charter school tuition payments are now the biggest source of budget pressure for school districts. And we also see that those mandated costs have a direct link to property tax increases. In order to pay for these mandated costs, school districts mostly rely on property taxes to pay for them because uh, we don't get 
enough money from the state to cover the increases in all three of those expenses. So a property tax freeze, uh, it could be really detrimental to some school districts because that's how they pay for these increased mandated costs. Mm-hmm. Now, we, we did that survey back in December. Mm-hmm. So it, it's hard to say. I think that 77% has probably come down naturally mm-hmm. due to school districts just trying to do what they can to not increase property taxes based on uh, the economic crisis we're in. Mm-hmm. So I think that 77% has come down a little bit. But if you don't increase property taxes, you're still going to have increasing expenses. So then school districts are going to be forced to look at cutting programs, services, staffing, you know, basically trimming other expenses in order to balance their budgets. So this is going to be a big challenge for school districts for the next month or so as they try to finalize their budgets for 2020-21. Yeah, and let's look at, you know, the other side of the spectrum too. We know our revenues on the local side are down. And that's just simple logic when you're talking about so many people unemployed, you know, if you feel so many um, people not going out and buying things. So your sales tax revenue from the state is down, but on your local level, you have your earned income tax collection is down. Property tax is going to be affected. So your revenues on the, the local level are, are also going to be down. So not only do we have the mandated cost drivers going up, you're not going to stop that. Uh, you can stop it as much as, uh, you know, maybe address some of the concerns, but you have the revenue side of the, the, the spreadsheet kind of going down. And then on the state level, the state itself is in a $4 billion um, deficit as well. Uh, so they're going to be looking at, you know, cuts. Uh, and we're hoping that, that right now the budget keeps us steady. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, school districts are going to be in a, a huge crunch. If you layered on top of that, a freeze of property taxes, boy, you know, you take away all those local options any way to kind of deal with the crisis. It just doesn't make sense. Um, while everybody's concerned about the taxpayers, at the same time, we, you know, we have to kind of figure out how to educate and get through um, the crisis as well. So you'll see a lot of school districts, and we've seen it in the papers. A lot of them are using dipping into the reserves if they have them. Mm-hmm. A lot are, you know, some are actually not increasing taxes. Some are not increasing that, that much and having a mix between um, looking at their reserves and maybe a small tax increase. So there's been a mixture of a strategy out there. Uh, and all, obviously all of them are looking at different cuts within their own programs, uh, furloughs and, and so forth. So I think school districts on the local end are making a lot of local decisions that are very tough right now, mm-hmm. but that's because of the crisis we're in. And so if I'm understanding you correctly, there's going to be obviously a lot of complicated ways that this all fits together, but some impact is going to be maybe looked at from the mandated expenses that there might need to be reform in those areas. Is, is that correct to say? I would love to say we could get some mandated you know, relief uh, through mm-hmm. maybe a mandate waiver uh, program, which we're working on uh, with the legislature, or even some charter school uh, tuition relief. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is we don't want to pay them, uh, you know, get rid of charters. We actually want to just start paying them correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have a formula right now that doesn't pays them more than what what we should be paying them. So if we can, you know, get those bills correct, we might actually be able to save those dollars, those taxpayer dollars, and start putting them towards other things uh, within school districts that we have to pay for because our revenues are down on our local uh, side. So 
I, I think, yes, some creativity would be great. Some mandate relief would be great. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when schools went online due to the stay-at-home order and the school closures due to the pandemic, many of the districts struggled to have a device available for each student. Some districts were in better shape than others in that case. This brought to light a disparity among access to technology. What other disparities were highlighted by this pandemic? And do you think that these disparities being brought to light will have the ability to change funding decisions in the future and going forward? Yeah, even before the pandemic, I think districts could be separated into a sort of haves and have-nots category, where some districts were definitely in a better place when it came to technology and devices, and others weren't. So when the pandemic hit, it was a lot more difficult for some school districts to find devices and get them to all their students and make that transition online, especially in rural communities and some of our urban communities that might be dealing with higher poverty than some of our suburban areas. And it also highlighted some of the discrepancies in internet access and internet availability in some areas of the state. So, you know, I think the pandemic definitely highlighted more of those areas, but in terms of changing the funding or the the means by which we distribute funding, we'll actually be revisiting our basic education funding formula hopefully in the next year or two, uh, that, that commission's gonna be reformed and take a look at that. And I think some of the experiences of our districts during the pandemic uh, might help inform some of those discussions on formula factors should be weighted differently in terms of distributing funding. So I think that would be interesting uh, looking ahead. There's a really interesting map in the State of Ed report talking about poverty. You know, poverty actually, it's a funny phrase, but poverty costs school districts in so many different ways. You, you know, the computer, the access to technology, access to the internet, or the need for different uh, social work services. Poverty really impacts our school districts on the expense side of things. But I think if you look at that map, some people just think poverty is an urban issue. And I think it's pretty clear that it's not just urban it affects all our different, all kinds of different communities across Pennsylvania. So no matter what, you know, when we talk about some of the issues that we're facing during this crisis that really came to light or really were brought to the surface, I really kind of attribute to some of the poverty issues. The effect was felt across the state uh, in rural, urban, and uh, suburban um, districts. So, you know, if you have a chance, obviously look at the report. But um, I always find that map very interesting because I think it breaks down those those automatic assumptions that people have, oh, it's just an urban issue. Yeah. And one of the other things too, John, is in the report, we looked at the difference in resources between school districts with the highest poverty levels and school districts with the lowest poverty levels. And what we saw was that high poverty school districts have a lot less resources to try to educate their kids. And I think it was something like close to $2,000 less per student than our lowest poverty school districts. So they're trying to over, overcome the barriers to education that poverty present, and they're doing it with a lot less funding as well. Mm. So, and this ties kind of into the next question re with regards to funding and dollars, right, being spent. So there has been speculation that schools are saving money because the students are not in the buildings and the buildings are not fully open and operating as a facility. 
Schools are still required to meet normally sustained financial obligations such as IDEA compliance and providing meals to students. How can the state and federal government assist schools as they cope with this challenge and these continued expenses and perhaps even increased expenses? Well, you know, when it comes down to this, this one, it is a myth that we're trying to, to bust, I guess you could say, in the legislature and sometimes it's maybe even out in the public, but you know that, oh, well, our schools are closed, um, so you must be saving all kinds of, of um, dollars. We are saving in some aspects of, you know, the building's closed, maybe the electricity's less, but under Act 13, we still have to pay all our, our um, educators. And, and while we're putting those dollars out, which is a large, a huge, significant part of our budget, there's also all the other services that school districts are providing that's still going on. And the additional costs that happened because of, well, because of the pandemic. So a lot of schools ramped up their online education and had to pay for that. A lot of them actually got out Chromebooks um, and did all those services. That's additional cost. A lot of them actually provided lunches uh, for all students, uh, food meals. Uh, and, and people forget about that often, but the amount of uh, food and services that went out to, to students and children across the Pennsylvania because of the work of schools during this COVID crisis was tremendous. Uh, and schools went over and above on those line items as well to make sure that students were fed. Uh, so the, on the cost end, uh, we ex actually experienced quite a bit more cost under this, um, this situation than what was expected. Uh, and I, I think there's some misnomers out there. Oh, well, you know, the teachers aren't working. Well, the, the teachers certainly are working and they, they are getting paid. So, you know, <laughs> I like to put that to bed, but it is something that, that we hear a lot and, and quite frankly, is, isn't true. Right. And, and providing special education is one of the most costly mandates that school districts have. Mm -hmm. And so far in the pandemic, the federal government has been unwilling to grant much flexibility to school districts in terms of providing those supports and assistance to students with disabilities. Uh, and that's presenting a significant challenge for school districts to figure out how they continue to provide those supports and services in a virtual environment mm -hmm. or in a safe social distanced uh, manner. So that's been a challenge for districts as well. Yeah. Okay. And I imagine a challenge that may continue for some time. Yeah. So the proposed state budget was presented back in January, sort of before this became a you know, massive issue in, in our country, at least. Um, what is different now going into the final stretch towards June and the final budget discussions? I like to say the phrase, everything has changed in our entire mm -hmm. lives. You know, from you and me having to wear masks to go to the, you know, the, the grocery store to uh, the amount of Purell that I use um, <laughs> every day, uh, right. you know, everything, everything. And so once this crisis hit, sure change the budget issues in, in the capital and some of the priorities. And actually, you know, as we kind of speak during this interview, the legislature is really working on this budget. But I got to say that nobody really knows where it's going right now. The state's about $4 billion in the in the hole. They realize there's a lot of local pressure because there's not enough local revenue either. Localities are, you know, it's not just school districts, it's boroughs, municipalities, counties also not receiving revenue. So they have a huge revenue loss and how are they gonna get their way through it? 
Are they going to be able to cut some things? Certainly there's going to be a lot of cuts. Uh, from the education standpoint, we're trying to hold on to actually having level funding. Uh, and I think I, I'm hopeful that we'll, we've made that message pretty clear and that legislators are hearing that. Um, so that's changed things. The governor's still going after his proposed budget, which had an increase. So I don't know how that's, that's really going to play. And there's a rumors in the Capitol that it's going to be a, you know, maybe a partial year budget, whether it's six, seven, eight months of a budget, and then we come back and do the rest of it. And the reason that kind of makes some logical sense is because revenues have been postponed. The biggest revenues come in in July. So uh, because of the postponement of the tax um, deadline. So, you know, they really won't know their revenue, the full revenue picture until later July or maybe the end of July. Um, so it does kind of make sense to do maybe a two-phase budget. But they're also running into the problems of a two-phase budget. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all mm-hmm. the logistical sides, all the, the legislative sides, everything in our state government is based on June 30th. So um, a lot of issues there. So I think over the next uh, two, three weeks here, uh, there's a lot of work to be done, a lot of discussions by staff right now in the Capitol, uh, which I guess gets to my fine, you know, if I was wrapping it up, I'd say it's the perfect time for, you know, school advocates to get out there and talk to the legislators, um, tell them their local story, and then also, you know, make that push. We need funding from the state level. We need you to, we need your support in this time of crisis. It's not time to pull back on education because uh, we got to get through it. And I was looking at some of the recession numbers uh, of the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. And the, one of the biggest investments they made was education. Hmm. You know, so the way to get through this is by investing in education. Okay. And you talked about kind of making a big push at this point. And so another way that our members have the ability to influence the priorities that we're working on, of course, is the legislative platform. So PSVA is now accepting proposals for consideration for the association's 2021 legislative platform. How do you anticipate the pandemic impacting the association's uh, legislative priorities? Well, I would love to say I know. Yeah. (laughs) We put out a great survey. Uh, Andy puts it together um, and gets it out to the members and really asks them, you know, what are your priorities? And I think everything's changed. People's priorities have changed. Who knows? I mean, maybe uh, health comes right up to the top and, and supporting efforts dealing with uh, the health of health of our students. It's going to be, it's, you know, the, the joy of our platform is it's all member has member input and it's created by the members. So this year, I'm sure the COVID crisis will, will impact it. So that's why we need everybody to kind of participate in the survey. We'll be getting that out soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and also everybody to, you know, if you're part of the platform process and you're part of a delegate, you know, the delegate assembly, you know, make sure you get all your delegates appointed and go through the whole thing because it's, it's a, couldn't be more important this year. Sounds good. Well, I want to thank you both for being with us today on this episode and kind of going through some of the challenges and some of the things to look for and be aware of and certainly some, some of the things to kind of for our members and our school advocates to speak out about. Thanks for being with us, John. And thank you as well, Andy. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Keystone Education Radio is a production of the Pennsylvania School Boards Association. This episode is brought to you in part by CM Region Insurance Company and Substitute Teacher Service. Visit our website at keyedradio.org for more information on today's discussion and for past episodes. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app, follow us on social media, 
This is Annette Stevenson saying thank you for listening to Keystone Education Radio. The views and opinions expressed on the Keystone Education Radio podcast are solely the views and opinions of our guests and do not reflect the views and opinions of the Pennsylvania School Boards Association. Thank you.